Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. This is Thursday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville. It's gorgeous outside. Thank you kindly for watching the program. Um, I'm excited for today's show. I encourage you to look at the screen right now to see the headlines we're going to cover on the program. Um, the first headline, the U.S. Census Bureau data uh, released says 19,000 people have moved to the Charlottesville area from significantly outside the Central Virginia region. 19,000 people have moved to the Charlottesville area from significantly outside the Charlottesville region. Bloomberg yesterday ranked the Charlottesville metro area as the 15th work-from-home metro in 2022 and the entire United States of America. You have two very significant momentum drivers colliding at the same time. Momentum driver number one, the work from home area. Momentum driver number two, Charlottesville, quality of life, happiest place to live, very rich in amenities. People magnetized to these factors by the clip of 19,000 people. That topic on today's show. This is really impacting cost of living, home values, socioeconomic demographics, the level of affluence, and the homogenous nature of the Charlottesville, Almoral County region. I want to talk Segura, the daily progress, watches and listens to the I Love Seville Network. And this morning, the Daily Progress released an article on Segura Solar and embezzlement, a topic we've covered very closely on this show. What I'm going to do with the program today is offer solutions. I'm going to offer a solution if you're a Segura customer. I'm going to offer solutions if you're a Segura employee. I'm going to offer solutions if you are on the paid supply chain of Segura what you should do, how you should strategize, and the next steps you should take. I want to talk UVA undergrads today, now with the ability to major in data science. The four-year-old data science school, a school funded by friend of the program, Jaffrey Woodruff of QIM fame, to the tune of a $120 million donation the largest private gift in UVA's history, the same visionary behind the code building on the downtown mall, the owner of the building directly across the street from us, the Enterprise Center. His $120 million gift births the Data Science School, and now four years into its existence, the Data Science School and undergraduates, there's a major track. Before it was only a minor track. We'll talk cause and effect on today's show. I'm going to talk on today's program, Zyanna Bryant. How would you characterize Zyanna Bryant? Let's weave Judah Wickhauer on a two-shot. I'm going to throw adjectives out there to describe Zyanna Bryant. You let me know if you feel like they're applicable and fair adjectives. Okay? okay. Zyanna Bryant. Activist? Yeah. Fair? I think so. Uh, black Lives Matter and Black Women Matter leader? Okay. Fair? I think so. 
fat liberation or obese liberation spokeswoman? If that's what it's called, yeah. Fair? I mean, she was hired, right? By Dove Beauty to be a spokeswoman for fat liberation. Yeah. The catalyst or one of the catalysts for the removal of the Robert E. Lee statue and what was formerly known as Lee Park, fair? Yeah. UVA graduate student. Mm-hmm. An individual who understands the power and the opportunity to create wealth through crowdsourcing on platforms like GoFundMe. Possibly. Not her first GoFundMe. Okay. Zayana Bryant has a GoFundMe. I'm going to take the link to her GoFundMe and I'll put it in the comment section of my personal Facebook page. I'm going to do that right now. I've published it in my personal Facebook page, the link to the GoFundMe. I'm putting it in the comment section of the I Love Seville Facebook page. I just did it right now. I'm going to put it in the comment section of my LinkedIn page where the show is streaming. I did it right now. I will put it in the Twitter, three, the Twitter thread of this show so people can check it. I want them to read the copy on this GoFundMe, which was created by Zyanna Bryant's cousin. I'm posting that right now. And then I will put it on the I Love Seville Facebook group. Just did it. The I Love Seville Food Facebook group just did it. I mean, Zayana Bryant, I'm giving you tremendous exposure for your personal GoFundMe right now. I'm talking about it on the show, and I'm sharing the donation link to your GoFundMe across all our platforms. I've now posted it on 15 Facebook pages, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. We'll post it on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, the Fountain app, on iloveseville.com and our newsletter that goes out to hundreds of thousands of inboxes. I want to ask this question. How does the Charlottesville and Central Virginia community, in fact, viewers and listeners in totality of this fine and fair talk show, feel about Charlottesville activists, I can say embattled, embattled Charlottesville activists, is embattled fair? I think so hosting a GoFundMe to the tune of $15,000 for her personal bank account. Everything I said was applicable and fair. Judah, the voice of reason on this talk show, just confirmed. Judah will also talk on this program. Home values, this is America-wide, United States-wide, United States-wide, at the end of August, we're at their highest home values in the history of any month of August in American history. The month just finished, August. American home values, highest value in Leo's history. August, Leo, Leo's born in August, many of them. I'm a Leo. We'll talk Siren, the restaurant, Laura Fonder's old stopping grounds, 
and compare and contrast it to Chad Raglan's old stopping grounds, Wild Wing Cafe. And I'll ask this question. The Siren Vacant Restaurant, currently open for lease, versus the Wild Wing Cafe Restaurant, currently open for lease. Which location is a better spot to open a restaurant in the city of Charlottesville? First, our lead headline, a headline you found, Judah. I love when you find headlines. The U.S. Census Bureau recently released data. 19,000 people have influxed, inflowed, or moved to the Charlottesville Albemarle area since the start of the pandemic. From the pandemic until now, 19,000 incremental citizens in the Charlottesville and Almoral County area. The majority of these citizens, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, significantly outside the region. We're not talking people moving from Louisa to Albemarle, Fluvanna to Albemarle, Buckingham to Charlottesville, Greene County to Charlottesville. We're talking Northern Virginia or out of state. Mm-hmm. Hampton Roads, or out of state to the Charlottesville area. Furthermore, we talked work from home movement yesterday. In the conversation yesterday, Bloomberg Magazine, which ranked the top work from home metro areas, ranked Charlottesville, Virginia, 15th in the nation in 2022 from a work from home movement with 21.2% of the population, I'll say it loud, 21.2% of the population working from home or remotely. We should unpack this story. Because this story undoubtedly has an influence on socioeconomic demographics, the cost of living, the homogenous nature of the community, the change of character and charm of the locality, and in a lot of ways, evolutionizes or revolutionizes the entire makeup of Charlottesville and Almaro County. You and Opportunity Speak first, Judah Wickhauer, anywhere you want to go on this topic. Yeah, I mean, it's hardly a, uh, it's hardly a surprise that we're not seeing an influx of people from Louisa or Buckingham or wherever, because uh, we're talking about people from D.C. and New York, and if we've seen what eighty percent growth in uh, in home values uh, in the last few years. Oh wait, where, where's that stat from? Oh, I don't know. Whatever the whatever much how much have home prices grown. I mean, it depends on the location. It's not 80%. Home values have not appreciated 80% in the last few years. You may be thinking that 80% of American homeowners have a financing vehicle of 4% or less, but home values have not appreciated 80% in the last few years across the board. Some homes have, but not across the board. Point of clarification. I won't interrupt unless a point of clarification is needed. Well, however much they've grown whatever percentage, uh, a home in a place like New York 
that grows at the same percentage that a home grows in Charlottesville is going to provide a lot more extra than uh, than a home in Charlottesville. If your uh, if your home starts off at a million dollars and it grows fifty percent, say, and my home here started off at a hundred thousand dollars and it grew fifty percent, the person with the one million dollar home has a lot more uh, a lot more equity now that can be used to leverage a you know similar sized house here in Charlottesville and might not even need to sell their home their original home if they can find a way to uh, to leverage that well uh, the point being that uh, that 19,000 people moving here with uh, enough money to uh, I mean we've talked about this enough money to you know to buy buy out anyone else in Charlottesville who's looking to buy a home. And uh, obviously it's not people from Louisa or Buckingham moving here because I would imagine that it's people from Charlottesville who are losing out on these houses and moving to Louisa or Buckingham or further. Anything else you want to add? No. All right, here's my take on this, ladies and gentlemen. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This is what's happening. Why do we live in Charlottesville? We live in Charlottesville for a litany of reasons. We live in Charlottesville for restaurants, breweries, wineries, outdoor living, outdoor amenities, hiking, rafting, Rivanna River, mountain biking, the downtown mall, the music scene, ACC sports, Mm-hmm. horseback riding palatial estates quality of life all the reasons we call this place home the entire freaking world knows because we're victims of our own success media calling this the happiest place to live in America I watched the mayor former mayor Nakaya Walker on her Facebook page Nakaya Walker um, a few days ago threw shade on Charlottesville imagine Nakaya Walker throwing shade on Charlottesville she threw shade on Charlottesville a couple days ago when it came to Charlottesville being ranked by yet another publication as the, oh, here it is, Outside Magazine, Judah, Outside Magazine. This was posted on the City of Charlottesville official Facebook page. Outside Magazine just listed Charlottesville, Virginia as the fifth happiest place to live in the United States of America. Yeah. The fifth happiest place to live in the United States of America, Outside Magazine. And you know when she posted that, she said, hmm, throwing shade. I put a heart emoji on the post because I'm proud to call Charlottesville home and Central Virginia home. And I'm proud that media has recognized it as a happy place to live because it's why I live here. My wife live here, lives here, our boys live here, and our many, many friends live here because we enjoy the community. The collateral damage of media recognition like this is attention. You combine that media attention that attracts tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of incremental eyeballs on the region with the University of Virginia experience. I went to UVA. My four years at University of Virginia were some of the best four years of my life, Judah. Literally. Some of the best four years of my life were first and second year 
third year joining Phi Kappa Psi, the fraternity, and living in the fraternity house where I was the social chair and the rush chair and given the fraternity credit card to basically go out and party for two years of college. To go to Coupe de Ville's, the Biltmore, the Virginian, then it was Orbit, now it's Boylan Heights, and say, the tab's on me. And after paying for the tab, inviting everyone back to the fraternity house where we had the biggest room with the party atmosphere. It was awesome. That experience is not unique to me. Thousands of students are graduating from the University of Virginia every single year saying, damn, these four years were awesome. I want to get back to Charlottesville one day when I can financially do it or I have the freedom to do it. Well, guess what? Work a few years in New York and you've got the money to do it. Not even that. Work from home. Work remote. The freedom is now there. Yeah. For people to move to Charlottesville. Even after just graduating from college. But they need the money. They get money from their boss, from their employer. They work remotely. They can work anywhere they want. You graduate from Charlottesville, from, from the University of Virginia, from the city of UVA, and you take a 100% hybrid or remote job, why won't you stay here? You just had the four best years of your life. Wouldn't some continue? Wouldn't some be like, why would I change what's already working for me? That's what I did. I did not leave. I stayed. That's what Tom did. That's what Shannon did. That's what Patrick did. That's what Henny did. I could probably rattle off a hundred people that were my year at the University of Virginia (coughs) that did not leave, that instead stayed and worked here. And now with the work remote, hybrid work, where you don't even have to go to the office or you do the office minusculely, you could just say, I'll take that job. I'll take that job in technology. I'll take that job in finance. I'll take that job in data science. But I'm going to work here in Charlottesville. Look at the show we did two days ago. You had a guy making bank and Caleb that worked for Amazon, living in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. You had the general counsel and the chief people officer at Silverchair basically saying the entire company, over 100 employees, is, is giving their team members the opportunity to work remotely full-time if they want it. You have a global company in Catch and Insight 222, co-founded by my friend Dirk Peterson, the vice president, who said, yeah, you can work anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. The University of Virginia experience, which for the most part, for the large majority of people that go through UVA, matriculate, used correctly there, was a happy experience. That is combined with the flexibility and freedom of working remotely while earning a big city paycheck, but doing it in Charlottesville and Judah. That is combined with national and global media calling Charlottesville the best place to live, the best place to retire, the happiest place to live, the best place for outdoor activities, and all these other superlatives the community earns and receives. Mm-hmm. All that is happening at exactly the same time. And the U.S. Census Bureau has said, since the onset of the pandemic, 19,000 incremental citizens have moved to Charlottesville and Amaro County. Yeah. And guess what, Judah? We still haven't seen the impact of the Paul Manning Biotech Institute 
the true impact of the data science school that's under construction, UVA making an emphasis of expanding enrollment and hiring more people to service the expanded enrollment, and wait till you see the $11 billion infusion into Louisa County by Amazon, 11 with a B, 11 billion, what that's going to do for incremental jobs. One board of supervisor told me off the record it was going to be between 800 and 1,200 new people moving to the area because of Amazon. Hmm. If you have an opportunity to scoop up land in Louisa County, buy it. And then kick me 6% later because you're going to build generational wealth through that purchase. Mark that down. It's no surprise, ladies and gentlemen, that home values this past August were the highest they've ever been, according to the National Association of Realtors in American history. The month of August, the month of August that just transpired, that August month on the calendar, the one we just had, the highest for home values in American history. What's the cause and effect of this? One word comes to mind. What's the one word that comes to mind of everything I just covered? It starts with a G. Gentrification. There it is, Judah Wickhauer. Let's give him some props. Judah Wickhauer. Judah Wickhauer. Judah Wickhauer. And what's the gentrification we're going to see? <clears throat> I mean, we've been seeing it. Uh... Not enough uh, workers for jobs around here and not enough homes for, for people that want to live here and prices going up. And, I mean, it's the same all over the country, I think. Uh, I think we're, we're – things are changing beyond where, what we're ready to uh, – how, how do I put this? Uh, we're not ready for the changes that are occurring, I don't think. Are we not ready or do we not care? Or do we embrace them or do we want them? Possibly both. Or I mean, do we secretly crave them? Crave them? I'm not sure what that means, but... Secretly crave them. Window dressing. Oh, gentrification is bad. Gentrification is creating homogenous in an affluent community. Window dressing conversation starter at cocktail party but guess what home values through the roof your equity more than ever in your house my equity more than ever on my house the equity in my house 80 percent in three years 80 percent appreciation in three years but isn't that a uh isn't that an, an illusion you're calling it paper money are you saying it's paper money the equity we have paper money not just the equity we have but everything Take a deep dive on that. I like where this could potentially go. Why is it an illusion, Judah? I mean, it's, it's like a vicious cycle, right? Oh, I like where this is going to go. Sure Break it we, down, Judah. Break it down. Sure, we've got more equity in our homes, but what do you do with that? If you sell your house, you've got to buy another house that's going to cost you just as much, if not more, than the one that you sold. Like, what do you do if the price of homes goes up 20% in the process of you selling your home? You sell your home, and now the price of homes goes up 20%. So you're, the home you buy with that money is going to be worth even less than what you made selling your home. Unless you don't sell your home, you leverage the equity on your house through okay. a HELOC, 
pull a loan against the equity you have and you buy the next one and you keep the current one as a rental. Devil's advocate for the sake of a talk show. That's fair. But then you every, didn't sell it. Then you just with, picked up a 5G a month revenue stream. But with everything, okay. But with everything going up, there may be some people that do that. Do we end up with the, uh, do we end up with, I mean, this is kind of like when the, uh, when the, who was it? Was it BlackRock saying, uh, you'll own nothing and be happy? I think that's how Gen Zers feel. Are we turning into a uh, landed class and a not landed class? Judah Wickower, Brigham, fire today. Keep going. Keep going. Keep dropping dimes. I mean, I don't know how much far I can go with it, but seriously, like the price. Look, if like if like you said, the smart people take a HELOC on their home, buy another home, turn into landlords. They're basically, I'm not going to say leeching people of money but that's not leeching people of money no not until not until every single landlord is saying oh well i'm only charging this much because everybody else is charging this much and that's called the market and okay and uh that's a good that's a good excuse that's called the market bananas are priced at teeter based on the bananas that are priced at food lion based on the bananas that are priced at giant Based at the bananas that are priced at Trader Joe's, and based the bananas that are priced at Little, Lytle, whatever it's called. Okay, well then let's get back to the vicious cycle. If the if the result of those actions, however you feel about them, is that the prices of everything keep going up, you're essentially screwing yourself. Sure, maybe you make out like a bandit and stay above water, but you're not helping the situation. You're just taking advantage of it. Want me to jump in? Sure. A lot of truth to what Judah Wickhauer is saying. The equity in our homes and the massive on-paper wealth we have accrued over the last three years as homeowners is a double-edged sword. Unless we capitalize on said equity, all we're doing is paying more taxes on said equity. Our homes are assessed at market value. If our homes appreciate quickly, and they very much have over the last 36 months, all that means is you and I, viewers and listeners, are paying more in taxes in June and December when our tax bills are due with our respective jurisdictions. Now, there's going to be the sophisticated investor and the sophisticated homeowner that sees the potential of leveraging said equity to springboard said equity into the purchase of another piece of real estate capitalizing on the very expensive rental market for five-bedroom house right now. My house right now, I can rent for $5,000 a month. I have a payment that was secured in March of 2020. The March of 2020 payment and the rental rate right now for my house, I could get 2x my overhead. And I can utilize the $800,000 in equity. Let's say I pull... 500 out of it and potentially put 20% down on a $2 million house, 400000 and have an extra 100000 left over. The 5000 a month that I get on my current house covers the monthly nut, all the taxes, all the insurance, all the wear and tear, and leaves $40,000 a year of additional revenue. That additional revenue can be left in a slush fund account in case for a rainy day 
That additional revenue can be parlayed, if I'm sophisticated enough, and I like to do this, into stocks and equities. Maybe I get aggressive and throw it into NVIDIA, throw it into Apple, throw it into AMD, because I follow it closely. Maybe I use it to invest into other businesses. Maybe I throw it into commercial real estate. Or maybe I take that extra $40,000 and use it to cover a lot of the nut of the new house that I just bought at 2 million clip. Just like that, one family has cannibalized two pieces of inventory on a very tight inventory market. But not everyone's going to do something like that because not everyone has an affinity for risk or a tolerance for risk or the know-how to manage risk. What a lot of people are going to do is exactly what Judah Wickhauer just said. Sit on stacks and stacks of illusionary paper money. And that illusionary paper money is just going to cannibalize and erode and eviscerate their dollar and what they have in their bank account. Because in June and in December of every single year, they have to pay taxes on a home that's dramatically increasing in assessed value. Mm -hmm. The illusion of wealth. You know what that's called? There's There's a catchphrase for it. Real estate rich, cash poor. Real estate rich, cash poor. You have sociology happening before our very eyes. Students graduating from UVA, enjoying their four best years of their life, Then, as they graduate and take six-figure jobs, because remember, the University of Virginia is the number five public university in America, the number 24 private or public university in America. These students that are graduating from UVA, and now you have a data science major that's being approved, that's greenlit. Mm -hmm. Data science, one of the most critical majors out there, one of the most hireable majors out there, one of the most lucrative starting salaries out there, the data science majors. UVA is graduating students that are the best of the best that are making bank, bank, bank. These students just spent four years of happiness and are now giving the opportunity to work remotely anywhere they want in a lot of circumstances while earning big city salaries. Some of them are staying here. That is happening at literally the same time that national media, Judah, is calling Charlottesville the best place to live in America, the happiest place to live in America, the best place for outdoors in America, the most retiree-friendly place in America. Mm -hmm. And that's all coinciding with Bloomberg and the national media saying Charlottesville is the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15th most dominant work-from-home market in the country. 15th, with 20% of our population working in their BVDs, their tidy whities their boxer shorts, their bathrobes, at their house. 19,000 people since the pandemic have moved to Charlottesville and Amar County, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Mm-hmm. To put that in perspective, ladies and gentlemen, Charlottesville has a, let's see, what do you think Almaro County's population is? What do you think, Judah, if you had a guess? 
Albemarle County's. Uh, we. I'm going to get to your comments in a matter of moments. Put your comments in the feed. Put your comments in the feed. Put your comments in the feed. I will relay them live on air. Then we'll talk Zyana Bryant and her GoFundMe to fund her lifestyle. Judah. I'm horrible with population numbers. 80,000. How much? 80,000. In 2021, 2021, Almoral County's population was 113,535. 113,535 in 2021. Charlottesville's population, let's call it an even 50K. In fact, let me get the exact number. Charlottesville's population, 45,672. 45,672. I'm adding Charlottesville and Almoral County's population together. Judo, you know what the number is? 159,207. 159,207. 159,207. That means, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that... Charlottesville got an incremental increase of 12.8% Charlottesville and Almoral in its population since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Call it 13% for the sake of a talk show. In a 36-month period of time, and you know what? I can even narrow it down because in the first six months, we were afraid to leave our house of the pandemic. In less than three years, the Charlottesville and Almoral County population have popped 13%. And it's just the beginning of a tidal wave of incremental citizens holding the Scrooge McDuck bag of gold coins. Gentrification. What did you call the wealth? You had a great description for it. Uh, you didn't call it fake wealth. What'd you call it? Illusionary. What was it? An illusion. Illusionary, illusionary. wealth. Phony wealth. Mm. Paper money. Yeah. Real estate rich, cash poor. Let's get to comments. I'm going to go to the homie Deep Throat first. Deep Throat, watching the program. Deep Throat says, in comparison, 20% of people working from home is not that high. Boulder, Colorado, for example, is 32%. So he's offering a comp. He's exactly right. Boulder, Colorado, ladies and gentlemen, was number one on the list, according to Bloomberg, at 32%. Charlottesville was 15 America-wide at 21%. Deep Throat also says this, and he's kind of tipping his hand right now by saying, as a trader, I always have to say, be careful of extreme prices set at low volumes. What's that mean, Judah? Unpack what that statement means. Extreme prices set Um. at low values. Uh, low values or volumes? Low volumes, excuse me. Excuse me. Be careful of extreme prices set at low volumes. Thank you. Uh, I think what he means is that uh, at, at low volumes, things may seem precious, and so uh, a high price may, uh, may, look, may not look like a bad idea or a bad deal, but when, uh, if, 
let's say there's a, a log jam keeping volume low, if that log jam is ever cleared up, the increased volume is going to make that uh, commodity less rare. And so the premium you paid may end up, well, I think it, it's basically what happened in 2008, where a lot of people ended up uh, you know, buying houses, <clears throat> thinking that they were all going up, and then uh, big problems hit, and all of a sudden you're underwater, and the, the, the thing that you paid a premium for is no longer worth a premium. And some, you know, some people got into, uh, you know, some pretty bad uh, loans and... and uh, Sounds like you're wax, waxing nostalgic on the bag holders on a stock that you used to trade. What was the meme stock? Waxing nostalgic? What was the meme stock you used to trade with the bag holders? GameStop. Oh, GameStop? GameStop. I suppose that could be. I don't know that... Uh, I mean, yeah, that... GameStop. I suppose that fits. Break it down. GameStop. I mean, the point is when something goes up and you think it's worth a lot and it turns out to be not worth what you thought it was. GameStop. Not just GameStop. I mean, a lot of stocks. The quintessential meme stock. Now being turned into a movie, I think with Jonah Hill as one of the lead characters, soon to be released in theaters only. GameStop. Deep Throat says this, then I'll get to the viewers' and listeners' comments. On home ownership, it is a peculiar... I always have a hard time with this word. Peculiarity of the United States that we have such an emphasis on home ownership. You can have a very equal society, more equal than the United States, and low home ownership. Germany and Austria much more equal than the United States, but home ownership rates are in the 50% range rather than the greater than 60% range that is the United States. You know why that is, Deep Throat? And you know why that is, viewers and listeners? Because the American dream that we were trained and raised upon is undoubtedly centered and rooted with the single-family home, the white picket fence, the two or three children, the golden doodle or the lab in the backyard in a cul-de-sac home in suburbia or safe Oak Street, Elm Street, Maple Street, in a neighborhood where kids can go from house to house with parents in each abode looking after the neighborhood children. The American dream is I will go and work and earn money and buy a house and get a white picket fence, a wife, a couple of kids, a Labrador named Sammy, a backyard with some, dan with some roses and some daffodils and allow our children to play in the front yard or to scatter shoot to the neighbor's yards in fun fashion until the dinner bell rings, calling all the kids inside for some meatloaf and mashed potatoes. We have been effing brainwashed. And the real state of affairs for America and Gen Zers and young millennials are facing this. Zillennials, young millennials, Gen Zers. 
they are ravaged with student loan debt, ravaged with credit card debt, ravaged with degrees that pay average wage, and they are entering a housing market at a time where home ownership is not a utility, it is a luxury. And their American dream has turned into an American nightmare. Yeah. An American nightmare. And in this country, we have a saying. It's called keeping up with the Joneses. What drives Americans to buy sexy, shiny, sparkly things? What drives Americans to rack up the most credit card debt in American history to make a Tesla payment when they are on a Honda Civic budget? It's called keeping up with the Joneses. What drives 57% of Gen Zers to want to be social media influencers? Keeping up with the Joneses. What drives Gen Zers and young millennials from becoming plumbers and electricians and HVAC servicemen and women keeping up with the Joneses? What drives Gen Zers and millennials on their LinkedIn, their TikTok, their Instagram, their Snapchat to put, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a founder, I'm a CEO, keeping up with the Joneses? Warrior AG says that new movie about GameStop is called Dumb Money, and he can't wait to see it. There was Mm -hmm. always going to be someone holding the bag. What was the guy's name? Uh, Funky Kitty? Roaring Kitty? What was his name? Roaring Kitty. Roaring Kitty? Was that the head of the Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets? That's not what his name was. He wasn't the head of... What was the guy that got the glory? You know his name. Don't tell me you forgot his name. You used to talk about him all the time. You're talking about Roaring Kitty? Are you Is talking- it Roaring Kitty? Was he the one who would do the live streaming and tell people to jump in? He's the guy. He never told anyone to jump in. He said he found a good value. And, and uh, he'd stream it all over, all over social. And people followed his lead. Was more, it him? More or less. Was it Roaring Kitty? <clears throat> yeah, Roaring Kitty. His other, name, his other nickname was Deep, uh, some deep Effing Value. That's my guy. Deep effing value. A guy who used a smoke and mirror Ponzi scheme to make the wealth off of idiots on Reddit. Well, it's clear you don't know anything about it. So, Deep effing value, talked about stocks to buy, got other people involved in it, drove up the price of the stock, and got out before it tanked. You're saying one guy drove up the price of a stock He had a huge impact on that. There's documentaries about this guy on Netflix right now. Would you like me to tell you the name of it? No, I could find him if I wanted to watch him. I watched it. Who is Roaring Kitty? The Netflix documentary is called Eat the Rich. Okay. The documentary's synopsis or theme... The GameStop saga of 2021 was born in Reddit's Wall Street Bets Forum, a message board where users convened to discuss investment ideas. In 2019, a user called Deep Effing Value started posting screenshots and research saying the shares of retailer GameStop were to him undervalued. He encouraged the entire forum to, 
purchase shares in GameStop. This drove massive purchasing of the stock until he got out first. It's in the Netflix synopsis about the documentary. Anyone can find it online. I watched the documentary. We'll get to comments, viewers and listeners. God, there's so many comments. Warrior AG says, thank you guys for this show. Warrior, G, Warrior AG also says, the virus caused a lot of homeowners to be upside down in their homes since they borrowed against their homes to stay afloat during the lockdown. No doubt. He says, it's not just taxes on homes going up. All personal property taxes are going up. And some people with family can't just uproot their whole lives to sell their homes and move on a whim. Yeah. Warrior AG says, Crozet was a town with two factories and everyone knew your name 20 years ago. Now it's a town of 400,000 affordable single, 400,000 affordable single family homes that are falling apart just as quickly as they throw them up and doubling home prices and raising taxes so high it's ruining people's lives. No doubt. Warrior AG says, the sad thing is that a lot of us in our families that have lived here our whole lives and love it here are being forced out by transplants that have no lifelong connection to this place, and the boom is good for some and horrible for others, including little towns like Crozet. It's getting ruined. Ginny Hu says, I stayed after graduation at Charlottesville, at UVA. I commuted to Harrisonburg for my first master's, then to Williamsburg and William & Mary for my doctorate. I got married and bought a house in Almaro in between those two. I stayed like Jerry. Steven watching on Twitter. Jerry, your show is the highlight of our day. We're watching you and Judah now, not only at work. We're putting in the big screen, and the entire organization is watching you and Jerry on most lunch times. That's Thank you for point. this content. We're on the big screen at his place of business. Stephen, let us know where you work. We'll send you a... What will we send him? Some free stickers. We can send him some I Love Seville stickers, right? Sure. Kate Charts, the queen of ivy. Make the American dream of being debt-free the thing to be. Ah, Kate Shorts, that's so good. Hmm. Kate Shorts says the new American dream should be debt-free is the thing to be. Shorts, Kate, one of your best ones right there. That's damn good, Kate Shorts. Mike Buchensky, the current prime weight, he's a banker. The current prime rate is 8.5%. So that is the minimum of your HELOC rate. So you take out 200K at that rate. That's a 1.61 interest-only payment. You're not getting a home you can rent for 200000 in Charlottesville. It's hmm. an example. Interesting. I will not sell our house. We'll rent our house and buy the next one. And we'll rent it for five and buy the next one. My mentor taught me this. Who's my mentor? You see him? You've talked to him? He was in here a few weeks ago. Who's Bill, my mentor? Bill Nichman. Bill Nichman. Bill Nichman, at his peak, owned a couple hundred million dollars 
of commercial and residential real estate in Charlottesville and Almaro County, including an entire city block in Charlottesville, Virginia, the city. Bill Nitschman taught me this. Everyone forgets how steep the opportunity cost is of buying real estate when they go to sell it. I will never forget that lesson and I will teach our sons that lesson. I will repeat it again for you viewers and listeners so you can pass this on to your children and your better halves and your friends. Bill Nitschman taught me this, my mentor. Everyone forgets how steep or significant the opportunity cost of buying real estate is, especially when they're romanticized at selling when they can get some front end money. Think about what you had to go through to buy your house. Think about how long you had to wait or what you had to sacrifice or what you had to give up or the emotional and physical stresses you went through when purchasing your home or selling your home to buy the next one. That's opportunity cost. Do not forget that experience. He passed that lesson on to me because he never sold. He accumulated and played Monopoly. Literally played Monopoly. I shared a wall in his building, the professional center on the downtown mall. Remember, you work there too. For 20 months, we were in offices next to each other. And for 20 months, I was an annoying pest literally knocking on his door to come in his office to sit down and talk to him about anything he wanted to talk about. This was like 12 years ago. And to his credit, he never said, no, don't come in. And today, we go out for lunch. We still do work for him. We get coffee. We just walk up and down the downtown mall. And I'm still that guy. Kevin Higgins in Greenwood says this, what happens to the real estate market when employers leverage the 100% remote work benefit to reduce salaries? Employees love the savings on gas and employers know that savings is like a few extra paychecks a year. It will not be long before they take that back through reduced salaries. Are people really going to give that freedom up if their pay gets lower? Great comment by Kevin Higgins. I'm going to respond to that. Kevin Higgins, that's happening right now. Businesses... Fortune 500, Fortune 300, 400, Fortune 100, Fortune 50. They're saying, you want to work remote? And you don't want to come into the office? And you don't want to work in the city where our headquarters is located? We're going to slash your effing pay. Your pay is going to be based on where you live. And if you don't want to come into work and justify these mortgages and these leases on our balance sheets on buildings that are empty then you're not going to get promoted. The people in the office are going to get promoted. That's happening right now. It is literally happening right now. Great comment from Kevin Higgins. I read this live on air. Let's go to, let's go to Coach B, Mike Buchensky, watching the program right now. There is five mortgage brokers watching this program. Mortgage brokers that are watching this show, we're, I want to fill one of our branding slots and advertising slots 
with an exclusive relationship with a mortgage provider and get you a crap load of business and allow you a vehicle to talk about anything you want. DM me if you think that opportunity is something you want to pursue. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to get you stacks. Buchensky says this, we lived in Crozet for 13 years, then finally, almost overnight, it was a city with a major population spike, no new infrastructure, and everyone seemed frantic and polarized against right and left wing issues. We made the excruciating decision to move out. I miss it, but we have our kids in a much calmer area right now. Nice. You guys made the right decision for your children. I'm responding to his comment right now. Do you want to offer some perspective on that, Judah? Mm, I don't know how much perspective I have on it, but yeah, it's smart. Uh, how soon before people are doing the same thing in Charlottesville? Is Charlottesville, one of the reasons Charlottesville and Almaro County appear to be the epicenter lately of lunacy, the epicenter lately of craziness, the epicenter lately of insanity is because in the last 24 to 36 months, we've had a massive influx of outsiders come to the area. And in the last 24 to 36 months, the demographics of Charlottesville have changed drastically and dramatically. It feels like almost overnight. And that rapid rate of change creates a different social political climate. The politics of Northern Virginia, the politics of Manhattan, the politics of Brooklyn, the politics of San Francisco, the politics of Los Angeles, any of these big cities where people are transplanting to Charlottesville are very different than the politics of Charlottesville and Almaro from five years ago. Of course that's going to create friction, Looney Tunes, insanity. Kevin Yancey in Waynesboro. What's happening to Seville is exactly what UVA did with season ticket holders with UVA football in the 2000s. They made the tickets up to the highest bidder and the hell with the people who've lived here their entire life. It's a good comparison. Juan Sarmiento, we'll get to your comments. Nine different states watching Judah Wickhauer and I on the program. Nine states watching you right now. Nine states, Judah. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville. The American dream helped many way back when to be self-sufficient. Raise, grow their own food. That was not keeping up with the Joneses. That was embracing freedom and independence. The difference with many today is they are looking for someone else, often the government, to take care of them. Do you want to touch on that? It was a conversation we had with the Erpies prior to this show. I yeah. noticed you had a little tension in your shoulders during that and had some disagreement. Do you want to touch on that at all? No, I don't know if I disagree. It's certainly true. There are people that uh, have some expectations. Um, I don't think there's any cut and dried answer uh, here. Some people are will some people will argue till they're red in the face that uh that 
there is freedom of choice and you make your bed and you sleep in it and everybody's got the same opportunities and if you don't make the best of them then well you get what you deserve um, there are other people that say that uh, there isn't uh, there isn't equality in opportunity and that uh, sometimes people need a hand up and I don't know that either side is 100% right. What do you mean or, there's not equality and opportunity? I mean, I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure how. Well, you have to unpack that. Question. What is there's not equality and opportunity? It means that not everybody has the same opportunity starting off. Not everybody has the same chance to do. Not everybody has the same chance to go to UVA. Not everybody has the same chance to... Uh, there's not equality in the opportunities available for everyone. And I'm not saying that like, you know, some people deserve some uh, some extra handout. I'm just saying that there's... Not everybody has the same opportunities. I respect that comment. Your sperm, your parents, your dad's sperm and your mom's egg touch base in America. Yeah, it could be, it could be the... Could have been in South Africa instead. Right. It could be the place that you were born. It could be the color of your skin. It could be the, it could be your IQ. It could be uh, that you're born without an arm or a leg. I mean, I'm just saying that uh, everybody deals with their own problems and to say that everybody has a 100% equal chance. You know what we all have a 100% equal chance at though? Hmm. Working hard. Yeah, that's true. We all have a, an equal chance at working hard. Yeah. And some people are willing to work harder than others. Yeah. And still, and yeah. those that work harder, those that work harder than others, statistically, they will be more successful. Not guaranteed. No. Because they may get hit by a bus. Yeah. They may get sick. Yeah. They may make bad decisions in the hard work they do. Their business may get destroyed by... Uh, COVID. COVID or a hurricane or yeah. a tornado, an earthquake. Kevin Yancey says the playing field's been severely lopsided for decades. Yeah, I would other, tend to agree. Other topics we need to get to on the program. I want to get to Segura. Put me on a one-shot. Then we're going to talk Zyanna Bryant's GoFundMe. First Segura, Solar, Segura, Home. Am I on a one-shot? Yep. Thank you. Look at the article in the Daily Progress today. The Daily Progress today, and if you don't have a Daily Progress subscription, I screenshotted the meat and potatoes of the article, article and put it on the I Love Seville Instagram account. Go to the I Love Seville Instagram account, click the stories and or the top comment on the, uh, on the grid, on the Instagram grid on our profile. Segura Solar and Segura Home. I broke this news in June. 
I explained to the community in June that this company was a was utilizing fraudulent tactics to defraud customers. Remember when we broke this news, Judah? Yep. I then interviewed a former Segura employee that you can find online. I explained to the entire community in June that if you're a Segura customer, if you have financing that was set up in any capacity with Segura through a third party, if you had solar panels on your roof that were Segura, if you had a warranty that was Segura, if you're an employee of Segura, if you were a vendor of Segura, a subcontractor of Segura, if you were thinking about putting Segura on your roof, I warned you in June. Segura then responded. Michael Ball, the CEO at the time, who resigned a couple of weeks ago unexpectedly, who in the article in the Daily Progress today said is owed $75,000. Michael Ball, the CEO, Judah Wickhauer, who mm-hmm. I've had many a conversation and text message thread, text message exchange with, said he is owed $75,000 by Segura. Yeah. I explained on this show that Segura was embezzling money from employees. Money that was supposed to be funneled to 401ks was not being funneled to 401ks. I explained that Segura was stealing employees, was stealing customers, customers deposit money. Everything I said has been proven now to be true. I was called a liar by Segura. Michael Ball said Tracy Green, the executive director of CBIC, and I have many screenshots from Tracy Green on Nextdoor, including this one that I'm showing on screen, that I have posted all over social media, where she says, I'm very disheartened that uh, the false information that Segura Solar is being constantly reported by Jerry Miller in such defamatory nature. Further, I am sad that you or anyone would repeat these false stories. Please do not believe anything you hear from this source. These are not facts of the matter. The real facts will be heard soon. This is on the Instagram. This is all over Facebook and social media. Can they see this? This is Tracy Green talking about me on Nextdoor. She's the executive director of CBIC, the nonprofit, who was giving Segura props and accolades. Do the Google, do the Google research yourself. You'll find it. Segura and CBIC. She called me a liar. She's watching now. She called me a liar. Everything I said Everything. Judah. Now here's what you got to do if you're a Segura customer. Segura customers. This is what you have to do. If you have panels on your roof, your warranty with the company is probably null and void. But you have a manufacturer warranty with your panels. So look at who the manufacturer is. You may have the, some coverage with your manufacturer warranty. You won't with Segura through installation or any of the warranty work that it, you have in your hand with, with paperwork. If you're a customer of Segura, 
the opportunity to pursue this legally with the class action lawsuit or any kind of attorney is probably long gone. How do you squeeze money out of a business that has no money left? How do you squeeze money out of a business that has no money left? You will rack up attorney fees at a clip that is greater than the money you can get through the court system. I hate to tell you that, but you missed your window. That's why I warned you in June. Two shot, two shot us. Judah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask you a very straightforward question. Did Segura pay us the money they owed us? Uh, I think so. Who dropped that money off? Uh, I don't know his name. Michael Ball, the CEO. What did he do when I wasn't here? What did he do when you weren't here? Yeah. You mean dropped off the check? Who did he give that to you? Me. He handed you an envelope with a check. They paid us the money they owed us. Yeah. Not everyone has what we have. And that's influence and power. Okay. GameStop. A lot of people have been left holding the bag. And the bag in this situation is deposit monies, deposit monies that were taken that won't be returned, warranties that are null and void, and infrastructure on roofs and homes that are malfunctioning and not delivering the power that was promised. Customers, I would encourage you to consider alternative solar options locally. I'm hearing Tiger Solar is a good one. Unfortunately, you're going to have to pay these other companies to come out just to assess what's on your roof. And many of them are not taking on the Segura projects because they're in such bad shape. If you're a Segura employee, and many of you owed are owed tens of thousands of dollars, I hate to say this, but outside of filing reports with the Virginia Department of Labor, which in the grand scheme of things, filing reports with the Virginia Department of Labor provides no value whatsoever. Look it up online. The Virginia Department of Labor has a backlog of claims that is decade long, and they have no personnel to pursue that backlog of labor claims. It's facts. Look it up. Everyone knows this that owns a business. The Virginia Department of Labor can provide no value to you. You are left in this position. And it's an unfortunate one. Explaining to every future employer why your last position of employment was a company that practiced criminal behavior and why you stayed at this company for so long. 
I would encourage, if you're a Segura employee, to have a very succinct answer to this question for future resume, interview, employer conversations. Why did you work for this company, Segura Solar, that clearly did things the wrong way? You need a succinct answer to that question that's going to come up in job interviews because that will come up. I'm giving you advice called brand management or perception management. The thousands of dollars that you are owed, the back pay that you are owed, the 401k dollars and, and, and investments and deposits that went missing, those are gone. I'm hearing through reputable sources that the owner of this business is in Europe and has no plans to come to the country anytime soon for fear of law, arrest, and facing what could be potentially crimes. This scenario is one of the most nasty situations I've ever seen in business. And we said this was going to happen before anyone in June. And the company tried to paint me as being a liar and wrong. If I'm going to say something on this show, whether it's Hunter Smith in finance, negligence, assaults in locker rooms, after JV football practices, city-issued credit cards used to pay people to speak before counsel by the mayor at the time, or some of the nastiest business behavior I've ever seen in the solar industry, you better believe I'm backing what I say with facts, with data, with video evidence, photo evidence, and a paper trail of emails or financial reports. Zyanna Bryant. Are we on a two-shot? Yeah. She has a GoFundMe. I'm going to read the language of the GoFundMe, and I want your take, Judah. The Zyanna Bryant GoFundMe, the Charlottesville embattled activists, the catalyst of the removal of the Lee statue at Market Street Park, Freedom Park, Emancipation Park, Lee Park, Tent City, the UVA undergrad, now UVA graduate student. I believe she's a UVA graduate student. I know she went to UVA undergraduate. I'm not a thousand percent it's graduate school at UVA. It does say in her GoFundMe that she is a graduate student. She's a fat liberation evangelist for Dove Beauty. She tried to ruin the life of a UVA student on Water Street during a Black Women's Matter march where she claimed the white UVA female, the daughter of a dead police officer, said that she could use her car to run these protesters over and make them look like speed bumps. Let's say she did more than try. You say she, she ruined her life? She seemed to be fairly successful at it, right? I mean, she got her pretty much drummed out on our honor <clears throat> charges. 
Yeah. Zianna Bryant now has a GoFundMe that has been launched by her cousin, Erica. Here's the copy of the GoFundMe. My name is Erica, and I am fundraising to help support my cousin, Zianna Bryant, who is a Gen Z activist and advocate for Charlottesville, Virginia. My cousin, Zianna, has passionately and courageously supported important social issues since she was 12 years old. At 15, she petitioned to take down the Robert E. Lee statue and rename Lee Park in Charlottesville. This statue was taken down in 2021. Zianna has been a voice for many and has helped inspire young people all over the world to get involved in their communities to create change. Whether it's a local family in need or a national social justice issue, Zianna readily offers meaningful frontline assistance. Sadly, Erica writes, in today's national climate with so many angry, violent, and unpredictable people, being a visible, outspoken advocate and activist comes with significant risk. Zianna has been receiving hate mail and threats for years, and recently they have become worse. Zianna is currently a graduate student, and we want to ensure that she is able to continue all of the work that she is doing in the classroom and in the community. We do not want to allow these racist attacks to take away from that. Please help Zianna's friends and family support her by ensuring she's safe and protected as she continues her important work assisting and elevating marginalized people and communities. Zai is always ready to use her platform to speak out on the issues that matter the most and to help others in time of need. We ask that you join us in supporting this urgent need. Help us raise $15,000 directly for Zianna Bryant. Zianna Bryant is a homeowner. Props to her for being a homeowner in the city of Charlottesville. That is public record like all homeownership is through the GIS. I'm not doxing anyone. I'm not putting the address out there. I'm just saying homeownership is public record through the GIS. Judah Wickhauer, a man, a man of reason, a man of intellect. Zion O'Brien's trying to raise fifth, excuse me, words matter. Zina Bryant's cousin, Erica, is looking to raise 15K for Zina Bryant. Where do you want to go? I mean, I wish somebody would start a GoFundMe for me. I could use uh, $15,000. Judah Wickhauer wants the viewers and listeners to start a GoFundMe for him. (laughs) I didn't say that. Um, I mean, what can you say? Some... I don't know whether to, I don't know whether to, whether to laugh or cry, but uh, I do think that um, I do think that GoFundMe checks up on this kind of thing, and I would assume if I, I, I don't know how you judge the veracity of of the claim that she gets you know hate mail and death threats. I have no doubt that it's in some part true. I have no uh, doubt she gets hate mail and death threats. Yeah. But the extent of that is the extent of that worth $15,000. That's not for, that's not for me to decide. Um, and hopefully if, uh, GoFundMe decides that this is, uh, I don't know, excessive or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just, uh, frivolous, then, uh, they'll put an end to it. If they deem it, uh, appropriate then they'll let it go and people are giving money to it already so uh, I think I saw that somebody had donated $3,500 who was that person was uh, it anonymous 
Yep. The it top was, donation is $3,500 and it's anonymous. Yeah. So. In fact, the large is. majority of these donations are anonymous. The second largest donation of a G note, 1,000, is anonymous. Matthew Gillikin gave 50. Keep going if you want to add more commentary. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. I, beyond that, um, it's for wiser men than I to judge. She's raised over $8,000 in three days. The threshold, the tipping point is 15K. There's terms of service that highlight solicitation and the rules and what's expected of organizers. Interestingly, GoFundMe, many people don't know this. There's a transaction fee. I thought you would appreciate that deep throat, the Gillikin donation. Carol Thorpe has this comment, the queen of Jack Jewett. I find it laughable and disturbing, Carol Thorpe says, that a woman who identifies herself as Zyanna's cousin, could it be Zyanna herself? I'm just asking, Carol Thorpe says. I think- is begging the public for what is essentially a slush fund to pay for her security. What security and how? No details or methods of accountability are given. As of a few minutes ago, the campaign has collected 8K in pledges, funded mostly by two pledges of 3,500 and 1,000 anonymous donations. People are free to be gullible with their own money, I suppose. Judah, go ahead. Yeah, that's true. What uh, were you going to say? I was going to say that I believe there are fairly stringent rules about uh, about what you tell the um, what you tell GoFundMe. Um, I looked up how GoFundMe protects donors from fraudulent fundraisers. Um, and one of the uh, expressly forbidden fraudulent activities is lying or being misleading about your identity as an organizer or your relationship to the ultimate recipient of the funds. So I would assume if this was a... Uh, How could they prove it, though? I, I don't have that information. Um, but considering the amount of money that goes through this organization, I'm pretty sure they have ways of checking people's stories in some form or another. And uh, Is this like the you know, Department of Labor? Is this like the tax man, the IRS? Or is this an actual legitimate way? Because let's cut to the chase. GoFundMe gets percentage on what's raised. You're saying it's in their best interest to just say... We don't care if, uh, but that also, there's all, I get it, but uh, there's also, uh, I think, a matter of trust and, uh, and who knows who the, uh, the CEO or the, who knows who uh, GoFundMe is beholden to. Uh, it may be that if they don't keep a tight lid on stuff like this, because they want that little extra cash from uh, maybe some slightly shady uh, 
GoFundMes, um, it could be they end up losing the business. So the integrity of the platform is questioned, which leads to less engagement in the future. Or which leads means to they are essentially stepping over dollar bills to pick up nickels. Yeah. Juan Sarmiento says this, <coughs> the king of transportation in Charlottesville. What is the money for the GoFundMe supposed to be funding? Protection? It's not 100% clear in the description. Juan Sarmiento says, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. Where is the GoFundMe for the UVA student's life she ruined by those false accusations a couple years ago? Yeah. Albert Graves on Twitter. Jerry and Judah. I am the breadwinner for a family of five that works two jobs. I work two jobs, Warrior AG Albert Graves says. My day starts at 3 a.m. and it ends at 11 p.m. and it goes six days a week. Oof. Where is my GoFundMe, Jerry and Judah? Ginny who? Oh, start the GoFundMe for Liza. You'll get way more than 15000 plus plenty of hamburgers. Hear that, Liza? We're going to make you rich. This entire scenario, this entire crowdfunding effort for someone who last week we announced earned an ambassador, fat liberation, paid gig with Dove Beauty. She may no longer have that. I believe Dove was fairly embattled by uh, oh, Dove that got decision ripped. as well. Carol Thorpe says, Rory Stolzenberg gave $50 to the, to the fundraising effort. Carol Thorpe says, Zyanna is on scholarship at UVA. She owns a house. She wrote a book, and she needs her cousin to set up GoFundMe to solicit funds for her. Michael Buchensky said, are we saying it is bad from an emotional standpoint or a capitalist standpoint? What, giving money or asking for money through the GoFundMe? campaign in totality? I don't know. I, I mean, for anybody saying, where's, you know, where's my GoFundMe or where's the GoFundMe for, uh, for Morgan Bettinger? I mean, anyone is free to set up a GoFundMe. Um, so. I, but I thought you said not everyone is free to set up a GoFundMe. Everyone is free to set up a GoFundMe under the parameters that's set by GoFundMe. Yeah. I don't know what those parameters are, but there's not really any... I mean, as long as, as, long as you're not lying about anything, I mean, I can set up a GoFundMe for... I could set up a GoFundMe for Liza. That doesn't mean anyone's going to... And many people do set up GoFundMes for their dogs. Yeah, or for some, you know, it might that be... That gets sick. Yeah, or for, you know, this dog was found on the side of the road, such and such, you know, animal control place is, uh, is doing multiple surgeries to try to keep the dog alive, but uh, they need money to, you know, to pay for it. Yeah, there are lots of different reasons why people start GoFundMes. Um, and I, Does this, okay, I'm going to ask you a straightforward question. I'll try to give you a straightforward answer. Does this GoFundMe smell fishy? I think a lot of GoFundMe smell fishy. This one, uh, yeah, a little bit. Like I said, I don't know anything about what kind of death threats or hate mail she actually gets. I don't know. Uh, do, do 
am I the person to judge whether or not those are deserving of $15,000 of protection money? And, uh, and of course, the question pops up, what are they going to do with that money? Are they going to hire her a, uh, uh, a bodyguard? Because really, what do you do with that? Michael Buchensky makes an interesting point. Coach B, this is an interesting point. Are you ready for this one? Sure. If she can use her profile and essentially her social media influence to get funds donated to her, is that not a new form of capitalism? People may not agree with it, but if you use the system to your benefit, you win, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect... Is this capitalism? That's a perfectly valid point, and, and kind of... Is this capitalism? Is what Zyanna Bryant and her cousin Erica to get an easy 15G by utilizing brand recognition, social media influence, and political clout, the 2023 version of capitalism? Yeah, I mean, you could say that they're selling uh, concern for someone's well-being. And some people are willing to pay for it. What would keep us from doing that? There's Nothing. 11 states watching the program right now. The I Love Seville show. Nothing. I've already said. Any, any one of us could set up a GoFundMe for, for any of the others. Uh, there's nothing stopping anyone from doing it. Uh, you would have to look into... You know go, why we won't do go, it? You might say integrity, but there, it is. there are lots of different reasons. You know why we won't do it? Say it again. Uh, the word I used was integrity. Character? Integrity? People see through it? You but can go to case, the... But in this case, do you accuse her cousin of lack of integrity, or do you accuse her of lack of integrity? Are you to believe that her cousin launched this without her knowing? Not necessarily. So if she knew that this was being launched, isn't she complicit? Sure. Would you argue that she could be the brainstormer or the visionary behind the campaign? Could be. We're making a lot of assumptions here. We are. We're also judging the situation from the outside without a lot of facts. Uh, the only facts that we have is... What's written on the GoFundMe link? My point exactly. And what's written on the GoFundMe link is, how would you characterize it? Vague? Sure. How do you characterize it? You're a man of great words. Uh, I'd have to take a look at it again, but yeah, it's fairly vague, I would think. Welcome to 2023 Capitalism. Where in 2023, you can use some social media influence, some name recognition, some of the things you've accomplished in your past to crowdsource money from strangers all over the world. And then within a few days, you can rack up 15 Gs. Well, let me be specific. I will be very specific. In three days, $8,035 through 80 donations. That, ladies and gentlemen, is this Deep Throat. Deep Throat says this is a grift. That's what Deep Throat says. Quite possibly. 
Grayson watching the program. Jerry and Judah, there's a reason people watch this show by the thousands is because of you covering this topic right here. You boys are unafraid. North downtown. Bill McChesney says, I would like to have a GoFundMe for my sick cat. Kelsey says, I need a GoFundMe. I have an iguana that's missing a leg. There you go. How much does it cost to replace an iguana leg? <laughs> Don't iguana's legs regenerate? Some lizards do. I'm not 100% sure about iguanas. Uh, do iguana's legs regenerate? Or is that, was that her joke? That It's a grip. Don't iguanas have, regenerate? May have been both. Uh, lizards can regenerate. Regrow limbs. Oh no! She just shared a link. Iguanas cannot grow lost limbs. Hmm. There we go. I believe some lizards can, but uh... iguanas cannot regenerate. <sighs> I think that's the end of the talk show. Did we cover all the topics? We're going to have to save Siren versus Wild Wing Cafe and what's a better location for tomorrow. <laughs> Albert Graves says their tails regenerate, boys. Their tails regenerate. Twitter's on fire right now. I think some lizards can regenerate more than just their tails. Uh, but I will say this. There's only so many times that the embattled activist Zyanna Bryant is going to be able to go back to this GoFundMe well for her personal bank account. You can't go to the well over and over and over again for your personal net worth accumulation without people seeing through it. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I've, if uh, her cousin comes up with another uh, GoFundMe two or three months from now for some vague other reason um, that Ziana, Ziana Bryant needs it, then, yeah, I, I think uh, most of the people, even the people that just gave $50, are going to be like, all right, hold up. Bill McChesney says, my sick cat cost over $3,000. And he said, iguana skins, iguanas can regenerate their tails. Jennifer, watching in Lynchburg, Jerry, and Judah, this was one of your best shows yet. Thank you. Comment by the Queen of Jack Jewett, Carol Thorpe, and then we're going to get out of here. By the way, Jerry and Judah, are you aware that Zyanna called the Charlottesville police on a reporter that worked for the Daily Mail for simply politely ringing the doorbell at our house and seeking comment for an article. They wrote about it in the Daily Mail. Chief Kachas called the Daily Mail to tell them that while they did nothing wrong and broke no laws, she felt uncomfortable. I yeah. find it ironic that after Zayana was so vocal calling for defunding the police, she called the police on a reporter ringing her doorbell. Yeah, I'd heard something about that. 
Charlottesville. Michael Buchensky says, white guilt in Charlottesville is worth millions. Or at least 15,000. Well, 18,035. 18,000 what? Or 8,035 dollars. Yeah. That was funny. So far. That was funny. Yeah, so far. That was hilarious. What you just said right there. I was deadpanned and funny. We should follow this total. Do you think she hits 15,000? I don't know how long it has to go. I don't think this one has a time restraint on it. I think they all do. I don't think so. You know more about this than I do. I think, let's see. I I think some of them don't. I think some of them don't. Albert Grace shares the picture of his, is this a lizard or an iguana? Right here. Uh, I can't see it very well. Put your glasses on. That might help. <laughs> uh, I don't know the difference. This is an iguana, right? Is this your pet iguana, Albert Graves? That looks like a bearded dragon. Oh, this is a bearded dragon. Is this a kimono dragon? No. Why is it this a kimono dragon? Komodo dragon. Oh, Komodo! Very different thing from a bearded. (laughs) When I said bearded dragon, I didn't mean just a dragon with a beard. I meant an actual lizard type called a bearded dragon. Is this your lizard? (laughs) Is this your? Oh God, Albert Grace! Did you say? Did you say you don't know the difference between a lizard and an iguana? No, I'm sorry. Should I don't know the di- I don't know the difference between a lizard and an iguana. Not all lizards are iguanas, but all iguanas are lizards. Okay. Judah Wickham are dropping dimes. Oh, we just went um, ninety. We went. I got to do some quick math right now. An hour and forty-five minutes. I know. We have to go make some money. Judah Wickhauer dropping dimes today. My name is Jerry Miller. This is the I Love Seville show where we talk GoFundMes, cost of living, socioeconomic demographic shifts, and iguanas and bearded dragons. We'll see you tomorrow at 1230 on the I Love Seville show. <laughs> so long.